You are Locked On Packers, your daily Green Bay Packers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We said four quarters, all gas, no break. You guys did that today. Hell of a job. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. We're going to be okay. It is time. It is time. I feel like we can run the table. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation and Packer Report. I cover the NFL around the internet, and you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. You can like us on Facebook. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts. You will find Locked On Packers, the number one Packers podcast on the internet. And the show for fans who know what happened, they want to know why and how. Our ultimate crossover series continues today with the Chicago Bears. Remember, Matt Derry from Locked On Lions, Lauren Cox from Locked On Bears, and Luke Braun from Locked On Vikings join me in a roundtable discussion about everything going on in the NFC North this episode about the Bears. Where do they go with Mitch Trubisky? What's the situation with Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace? Are they gonna are they on the hot seat? What is going on in Chicago? They're gonna have to cut salary. They have really roped themselves into uh, a difficult situation with contracts because Khalil Mack is making a bunch of money. Mitch Trubisky is in his fifth-year option going to be making a bunch of money, so they're going to want to figure out if he's the guy before they have to give him the bag and certainly before uh, they, they sign him to any kind of extension. So a lot to discuss as we look at the Chicago Bears. And I want to use that conversation as a lens through which we can discuss the Packers in somewhat of a cautionary tale. Last year at this time, the Chicago Bears were coming off a 12-4 and season with an incredible defense, young talent, Allen Robinson coming over, Khalil Mack coming over. They got huge impact from guys like Eddie Jackson. Kyle Fuller has his best season as a pro. Jackson did as well. Akeem Hicks becomes a household name. And it looked like this team was primed for a long run. I said before the season, and I stand by it, that they were the team to beat until further notice. Now what happened, they dealt with injuries. They saw a regression from their quarterback. And they faced a more difficult schedule. You combine those things together along with some some key losses in free agency and coaching staff turnover, and all of a sudden you are more like a seven and nine, eight and eight, nine and seven team than a twelve and four team. And the Packers, right now, everyone is praising Matt LaFleur the way that they are praising what Matt Nagy did last season. Everyone is praising Brian Gutekinds. Now, those guys did not win Coach of the Year and Executive of the Year, although they were certainly deserving candidates. In fact, I thought Matt LaFleur was a more deserving candidate than Nagy was last year. I actually felt like Nagy's performance was a little bit overrated, and it was the huge step forward the defense took to historic levels that allowed them to take that that big leap forward. But for the Packers, they were a defense that relied on turnovers, particularly in the red zone. Statistically speaking, we have ample evidence that turnovers are inconsistent. Sacks are inconsistent. And getting stops 
is a better indicator of defensive quality in a lot of cases. Year to year, you're not going to create the same amount of turnovers. that We saw this with the 49ers. Their defense is likely going to take a, a big step back and still be very good, but likely take a step back because the pass rush probably won't be as good. They won't get as many turnovers. And it's just, this is how the NFL works. The Packers are in a similar position. If their defense takes a step back in terms of rushing the passer or in terms of creating turnovers and doesn't get better in other ways, they could be looking at a problem. And it's not beyond anyone's imagination that Aaron Rodgers take a step back next year. We just saw Tom Brady fall off a cliff. We know quarterbacks at his age tend to decline. Now, there are certainly cases to make for the Packers in year two of this offense to be better. They make some offensive improvements. They they bring back this defensive core, which is not a question. They don't have to, to sign anyone on this defensive core. So that part of it is not a problem. Blake Martinez, not a member of the defensive core. They don't have the same questions with personnel. They do have the same questions about injuries. Can they stay as healthy in 2020 as they did in 2019? They probably won't. So with those injuries, can you build up depth that mitigates those questions? Do you bring back Brian Bulaga, who has an injury history? Because the Bears moved on from Adrian Amos, and they downgraded. And they didn't do enough to upgrade the offensive line play, and it suffered as a result. And, and they didn't do anything to push Mitch Trubisky, and he didn't take any kinds of steps forward. So the Packers have to be cognizant that this is unlikely going to last in terms of the, the luck with injuries and the close game luck. They won eight one-score games. Now, some of those are eight points, so they're not really one-score games. I actually don't think it's fair to include eight-point games because you have to get the two-point conversion, and that's difficult. But the only close game they lost was the Eagles game. In all likelihood, that is going to regress a little bit next year. The template for regression is there. What they have to do to fight that is to make the necessary adjustments, to add the right pieces, to use this offseason effectively so that you bolster the roster talent to mitigate the inevitable losses in close game luck and injury luck. And the coaching, I I think we can't understate the coaching here. The coaching can't get stale. Matt LaFleur has to find a way to get Aaron Rodgers playing at a high level, to get these receivers involved, to, to make sure Aaron Jones stays involved in multiple facets of the game, and to find a balance with these young tight ends. Are they going to bring someone in? Are they going to hand the keys to Jay Sternberger? Maybe that's the route that they go, but they have to plan for next season like it's not going to go as well as 2019. They're not going to be as lucky. And and fans, when I did this with the Bears, that fans bristled at the idea that their team got lucky when you have a historically great defense and you go 12-4 and four and you win the games, the games that they did. You say, well, come on. This is not luck, but it is because over time, these things vary. It is just a bounce here, a bounce there. The Packers were lucky to win that Bears game where the the ball didn't get pitched to the right person because if it does, maybe they lose that game in overtime. I mean, how many, the, the penalties in Detroit, how many games were decided by a call here, a bounce there, a literal bounce of the ball? It is the nature of the game. And so for them to avoid a significant regression, one like we saw with the Bears, 
You have to hope Aaron Rodgers doesn't take a step back. If anything, you want him to take a step forward. Mitch Trubisky was never very good. We have a track record, at least with Aaron, that he we know he can be good. He was awesome for parts of last year. I was just I was watching the highlights of him yesterday and his best plays of 2019, and I marveled at some of them. I went, you know, for for some of the inconsistencies and all of the wonkiness, there was so much of it that was great. And you almost you almost forgot that because there was so much of the discussion about how you know he wasn't the same guy anymore, etc. Adding talent, which the Bears didn't do, by the way, adding talent rather than just trying to mitigate losses is the best path for the Packers to try and push through what is inevitable in terms of regression. Now, you can say, okay, some of these defensive players, Jair Alexander takes a step forward. Uh, Rashawn Gary takes a step forward. Darnell Savage in year two. Adrian Amos with him. They take a step forward in this defense. Those are all possibilities for sure. Are those guys going to stay healthy? Are they going to be on the field? Is Darius Smith going to play 16 games? Preston Smith, Kenny Clark. The way you mitigate that is by adding talent to have the depth to withstand some of those injuries. And the Bears didn't do a good enough job supplementing their talent. Green Bay has to view this offseason as not just an opportunity to withstall the inevitable march of time when it comes to these things, but to say, look, If we add these pieces and put together a balanced roster going into the year that has depth and playmakers all over the field, that makes it more likely that when inevitably we get a little bit of bad luck here and there, we have the quality of talent, we have the players to withstand that adversity. And before we get to our ultimate crossover, I want to talk to you about advertising on Locked on Packers. If you've been a listener to this podcast, I'm sure you've heard all the great advertisers working with Locked on to reach sports fans. But you may not know that Locked on Packers is a great way for your local business to reach passionate Packer fans just like you. Locked on gives your company the unique ability to reach local podcast listeners and not just any podcast listeners, a Locked on Packers listener. This is a well-educated audience with disposable income, and that lets you put your company right where they are on Locked on Packers. Local fans love to support local businesses, so text the word advertising to 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcast.com slash advertising and let us know who you are. We'll get our team to help your team achieve Locked on Advertising success. Once again, text the word advertising to 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcast.com slash advertising. We look forward to hearing from you. Welcome back into this Ultimate Division crossover here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. Taking a look at the NFC North today, the Chicago Bears for finishing third in the NFC North. Not a season that played out the way anyone in Chicago was looking forward to. A lot of high expectations falling short and falling short at the hands of the Green Bay Packers. Peter, I know you sort of got to see it from week one and see sort of the development of the Bears as the season went on, a Mitchell Trubisky that struggled early on and then struggled late on and, and had some had some bumps along the way, but still kind of rough patches. What was sort of your Chicago Bears experience this season as far as, I know Bears fans were, were all over your mentions quite a bit this offseason. Was there some, <laughs> some vindication this year for you? Yeah, I'd like to direct everyone to my tweets from last spring. No, um, it, it, is, it is fascinating because coming into the year, 
the Bears were the team that I felt like was the team to beat. And and the Packers were chasing the Bears. That defense looked like it was going to bring a lot of people back. Even with the regression, they were still going to be a very, very good football team. And yet we saw the offense regress in ways that maybe were predictable, maybe weren't. I don't think anyone expected Mitchell Trubisky to play as poorly as he did. I have a lot of faith in Matt Nagy as a coach, or at least I did. And I have to be honest I have less faith in him after this season, given the offense they they put together here and given his insistence that Mitch Trubisky is the guy. Do you think that's coming from Ryan Pace or is Matt Nagy really that convinced that Mitch Trubisky is the dude? Because if the second part is true, then I have even more questions than I did to start with about whether or not Matt Nagy really is the guy moving forward in Chicago. And that's really the million dollar question this offseason and, and one that's going to shape pretty much everything once we get to free agency. You know, the Bears, both general manager and head coach, say, yes, Mitchell Trubisky is our starter for 2020. But they're interested in at least exploring their options at a backup position. And sort of the Tennessee Titans model with Ryan Tannehill and Marcus Mariota is what gets floated out there as the Bears' possibility with other veteran quarterbacks that maybe you bring in, and they're not, you know, the Phillip Rivers, Tom Brady, Drew Brees, future Hall of Famer-type free agent quarterback, but it's the... It's the Nick Foles, it's the Andy Dalton, it's the Marcus Mariota of all people that, you know, come in as the backup, but if Mitchell Trubisky continues to falter, then you at least have another quarterback option if if things go south as the season went on. I know Detroit Lions fans kind of dealt with the, some quarterback changes throughout the season last year. At least they got some hope from some of their backup quarterbacks flashing a little bit, Matt, but I know... Once, once Matthew Stafford went out, things kind of went off the rails for the Lions, and they really struggled against the Bears in particular. What do you think went wrong for them that way? Well, anytime you watch the Lions and Bears uh, this season, I, I think Chicago handled the line of scrimmage very, very well, and you just saw the athletes on that back end. Eddie Jackson is, is a Lions a killer and a, and a terrific player. Um, I, I think my, my biggest thing that surprised me about those two games was how much time Trubisky had to throw and he had his best two games of the year against Detroit because even with the Patrick O-line and, and the injuries you guys had there in Chicago, Lions couldn't get to him. And so that's sometimes when I think a Bears fan says, uh, and there was that stretch at Soldier Field when uh, Trubisky just, they didn't even need to run the football. They just, they went four, I think it was at 17 straight points where it was just the Trubisky and Allen Robinson show. But a lot of it was due to the fact the Lions couldn't get to him. So I, I look at, the Bears finishing a disappointing season after what they did in 2018, I, I would think, Lauren, they're going to address that O-line, right? I, I, I would think they would have to, and the running game a little bit more, albeit some of the young backs I think are decent. And and again, the role of Tariq Cohen, too, probably. But Allen Robinson, what a stud. And uh, that talk about a find for Chicago, a Detroit native, too. He's a great football player. Yeah, Allen Robinson's going to get a nice contract extension here within the next 12 months for sure. They they love him in Chicago, and he's been great. And I, and I think their plan for the running game partially was just coaching staff changes. that they, they sort of made their offensive coordinator somewhat of a scapegoat and their offensive line coach as well because those two were sort of not officially run game coordinators, but they were believed to be more in charge of that aspect of the game, and now the Bears bring in some different coaching staff options on that on that offensive staff to kind of fill out Matt Nagy's side with maybe some other guys that can focus on the run game and, and try and get things rolling in that direction. But it, it still felt like as the season wrapped up, especially when the Bears played at Minnesota against the Vikings backups and Sean Mannion, the Bears 
still struggled to even pull that one out. And I don't know, Luke, did you kind of get the impression this season that the Vikings especially are, were just so solid all around the roster and that they were, uh, at least when it comes to the Bears, maybe a, a little bit of a class above? I, I know the Bears ended up getting both of the victories. It's kind of a weird yeah, thing. They haven't where, beat the Bears in two years. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they haven't beat the Bears in two years, but it felt like the Vikings were, were just the better team a lot of the time. Yeah, well, so the first game was like kind of the rock bottom of the Vikings season, and that was the one that kind of spurred that whole, you know, deal with Stefan Diggs. And the second game, they didn't have their starters in. So, yeah, it was probably the Bears probably saw the worst of the Vikings, but you still saw like the scheme completely fall apart against that Bears defense. And I guess what is interesting to me about the Bears is, I mean, everybody kind of saw that defensive regression coming in, uh, in in 2019 compared to 2018, where you just knew you couldn't keep that up. But now 2020, I mean, they had a much more like kind of, I would say, average year for them, which is an above average total year. But like, does that mean that the Bears defense is going to be more like 2019 or do they have another 2018 in them? And what kind of turnover are we looking at there? Because that's what scares me the most is the Bears defense. I'm not scared of Mitch Trubisky and like maybe Andy Dalton. I'm scared of the defense. And for now, they've got most of the same defensive pieces in place. They they have a decision to make at inside linebacker next to Roquan Smith, and then at whatever whoever's going to start at safety next to Eddie Jackson. Whether they want to bring back the former Packer, haha, Clinton Dix, or get more of a, Who? a, a yeah right a, a more of a traditional strong safety paired Eddie with Eddie Jackson to, to let Jackson play a little bit more of that deep safety. But other than that. I think the Bears would like to get a little bit better pass rush around Khalil Mack, but I think this team kind of feels like if they could stay healthy and if you know they had Akeem Hicks for a full 16 games again and if Roquan Smith was healthy and Danny Trevathan was healthy and just injuries started to pile up in a way that, again, maybe matches some of this regression talk that they were so healthy in 2018, that made a big difference. And if they could have those guys for more games more consistently this season, I think that would go a long way to getting this defense back where they need to be and then if they can just add a couple more pieces offensively, maybe get some better quarterback play from somebody, Mitchell Trubisky or not, the, the pieces are there to at least be back in the playoff discussion, but maybe not quite as dominant. I think 2018's a bit above where their baseline is, and maybe 2019 was slightly below where they feel their baseline is with competent quarterback play, which again, we come back to being sort of the million-dollar question here. Lauren, it seems so like if there's one place that the the Bears could really take a step forward with, um, you know, we, you talked about the quarterback play. I think that's the obvious choice. But one of the reasons why Mitch Trubisky took a step back this past season was they couldn't protect him the same way. And they didn't, until the end of the season, start moving him around more, rolling him out. Uh, Kyle Long is retiring. And it seemed like when he went out, they, they, the Bears fans were actually happy about it because he'd been playing so poorly, battling injuries. It, it seems like, and you absolutely correct me if I'm wrong, that the offensive line is low-key a big need for this team because if they can protect Trubisky, at the very least, you're putting him in the best position you can to succeed, and then even if he still can't do it then, you know for sure he's just not the guy. It definitely needs to improve, but it's hard from an off-season needs standpoint that four of their five starters are locked in 2020 and probably 2021 with their current contracts, with with guaranteed money. And, and four of their five starters, again, the fifth being Kyle Long, who retired, the other four have played well. I mean, they're younger guys, with the exception of Bobby Massey. They, were, you know, they had really strong 2018 seasons. James Daniels and Cody Whitehair, both recent second-round picks on the inside with plenty of potential. Charles Leno at left tackle has had his ups and downs, but has been a solid enough 
blindside protector. And then Bobby Massey has kind of been an average right tackle, but you can live with an average right tackle. So, like, their only place to improve right now is right guard because everybody else is locked in, and they kind of just need everybody on that offensive line to play better. And that's a common theme on this roster, that the guys that they have, a lot of them are coming back, and they, they need Mitchell Trubisky to play better. They need the offensive line to play better. They need their tight ends to play better. They need their pass rushers to play better. And I guess a lot of that kind of points to coaching, and I think there's going to be a pretty big spotlight on Matt Nagy this season. And we're going to keep putting the spotlight on NFC North teams all week long here on the Ultimate Division Crossover on the Locked On Podcast Network. All right, part three of the Ultimate Crossover Podcast Coming tomorrow, the Minnesota Vikings and a discussion about the Packers' biggest rival right now in the NFC, or at least the team with the most talent, the best players, and a a team that now has former Packers defensive coordinator Dom Capers. It, It struck me yesterday as telling that a team that just promoted Gary Kubiak after losing Kevin Stefanski, the analytics, the analytically minded Kevin Stefanski that they promoted Gary Kubiak, they hired Dom Capers, and this is already a coach who once fired an offensive coordinator for not running the ball enough. And that all happened on the same day the Packers promoted an analytics staffer into a quality control role with the offense. It just, the Packers are moving in the right direction when it comes to the analytic world, one of the most pass-happy teams on early downs this season, which is something that the analytics really appreciate. If only we could get someone to talk to Matt LaFleur about the fourth downs. That is that is the, the last thing for him. The field goals, the punting, the fourth down decisions are not where they need to be, or at least not where the numbers say they ought to be. And that was something Mike McCarthy, for all of his flaws and for all of his issues as a game manager and some of the conservative play calling and some of the conservative decisions he made in high leverage moments, he was one of the most aggressive coaches in football going for it on fourth down and going for two. So that is something that I think Green Bay can, can, if you're looking for places on the margins, you know, circle this back to our initial discussion. If you're looking for places on the margins to try and cheat fate and give yourself a little luck, those fourth down calls could be the difference. All right, we'll be back tomorrow with our ultimate crossover edition and more coming up with the draft next week. We've got our linebacker show, offseason report cards, NFL draft, free agency, and I have strong takes on how this is all going to play out or how the Packers could approach this, the wise way for them to approach this draft, and it is a bad offseason for the Packers to need a linebacker. I'll just say that. Remember, you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Packers. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts. You will find Locked on Packers. And anytime you want to hit us up on the Locked on Packers fan hotline, you can do that. 920-341-3775 to stay Locked on Packers. Locked on Packers.